Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. If Solomon, knowing the standard to keep, he should have maybe respectfully declined maybe the 120 talents of gold that the queen sent him, or at the very least made a determination up front to use it for better purposes than making shields out of them. You can't use a shield of gold like that in battle. 1 Kings 10 and 18, it says, Moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory and overlaid it with pure gold. The throne had six steps. The top of the throne was round at the back. There were armrests on either side of the place of the seat, and two lions stood beside the armrests. Twelve lions stood there, one on each side of the six steps. Nothing like this had been made for any other kingdom. All King Solomon's drinking vessels were gold, and all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were pure gold. Not one was silver, for this was accounted as nothing in the days of Solomon. For the king had merchant ships at sea with the fleet of Hiram. Once every three years, the merchant ships came bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and monkeys. So King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. Now, the Lord did deliver on his promise. That's, that's there. I'm not conflicting that. So let's divide that from what I'm also saying. The Lord promised it, and there it went. But it's fascinating how Solomon had so much silver that it made silver seem like it was no big deal. There was so much silver around. So you can definitely see an accumulation of gold that he was gaining. Even he made drinking cups out of gold. Now, when you include these various exotic animals, because I wanted to know why were these animals listed here? These exotic animals were likely pets used to make a fashion statement of the day. You notice uh, all the ivory that was brought in. Silver was brought, gold was brought. The the animals were mentioned to exclaim a top-notch fashion statement, so to speak. Again, this wealth was not to be used for his own use specifically. He had a commandment to abide by, but there seems to be a little bit of overreaching the limits here. Now, one thing I want to say before I move on because I kind of know what this sort of sounds like. I am not trying to paint Solomon as a bad guy, okay? I'm not trying to do that. Uh, He's not some kind of a villain. I'm just trying to be real to the text of what I'm reading here, because it's trying to show us a problem that is starting to develop. I already took you in the future, where they ran to the house of the forest of Lebanon, and they did not call upon their God. You can see things are starting to happen. He's intermarrying. He's got all these wives. He's doing things he's not supposed to do. But there's, the text is trying to show us that there is a problem that's starting to develop, a problem that's going to have a heavy cost for the Israelites later. So there's a lot of layers of disobedience here. The wives intermarriage, accumulating the gold. We see that as a problem now. But I don't want you to get caught in the paradox of asking, why did God give him all this wealth if it's messing him up? 
I don't want that to be the question. God said he was going to do it. If you ask that question of Solomon, then you have to ask, why did you give all this wealth if it's going to mess Solomon up? If you ask that question, then you've got to ask the same question. Why did God put the tree in front of Adam and Eve if they weren't supposed to eat from it? It was a way to measure. It was a way to test. It was a test to measure them by. Solomon's wealth was supposed to bless Israel, but which way would Solomon go with this wealth? Which way was he going to go with it? Would Solomon use it to obey the terms that God gave him early in this chapter when he said, if you obey my commands, if you obey my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom. Or would Solomon disobey God with this wealth and violate the command that we read in Deuteronomy? The king shall not multiply wives, or he should not greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. It's, it's, it, I think of Adam and Eve. Here's this tree. Well, why put it here? Well, don't eat of it. It was to measure them. It was to measure what they were going to do with it. It's not wrong for the tree to be there. What Adam and Eve did with it was the problem. Solomon, he was going to be made wealthy. He already was. But the further accumulation, let's see what he's going to do with it. So here had to be this do or don't situation that had to be set in place to measure Solomon with it. And like I already said, it was the Lord's intention for Solomon to use all this wealth the right way. It's not wrong to have it, but are you going to use it the way the Lord God told you to do with it? So that God could then, it was going to prove out Solomon's character so that God can, could deal with him according to the terms that have already been set. I know this is a lot of words, but God said, you follow me, it'll turn out great. If you disobey, it's going to turn out bad. Now, the Bible never says anywhere, it never says that having wealth is a problem. It's what the wealth does to you and what you do with that wealth that becomes the problem. Money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. We have to understand the difference. But I want to be fair here. I don't want you to think Solomon's some kind of a villain or that I'm making him out to be a bad guy. I just have to stay close to what the text is telling me here because I want to make sure we see the bigger picture that's at hand. Recognize that there's something about ourselves to realize and that God can work great things even through messed up sinners like us. There's a messed up sinner standing right before you right here right now. I'm as messed up as they've ever been. I've been a sinner as much as they've ever been, and God is still able to use great things through me. That's the picture I want you to hold with Solomon. Ray, you're beating up on Solomon today. Well, God did wonderful things through Solomon, and he can do wonderful things through you and me as well. That's a bigger picture we need to keep. So yes, Solomon was disobeying, but the thing I don't want you to lose sight of is how God uses all of us, whether we walk right or whether we walk wrong. He will accomplish what he says he's going to do despite us. Amen? I'm so glad he does that. So let's move on and we'll wrap up some more. 1 Kings 10 and 24. This was a tough one to get through. Now all the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. Each man brought his present, articles of silver and gold, garments, armor, spices, horses, and mules set at a set rate year by year. Now, this passage alone, if I read nothing else, this passage all by itself absolutely fascinates me, and here's why. You ever see those TV shows like on History Channel or Discovery where archaeologists dig up these incredible finds all over the world, way in this country, way over in that one, and it's these incredible things, and, and the scientists marvel. They wonder, how could an ancient people have figured this out? 
How could the, for instance, uh, I've seen some uh, evidence of a battery, not not Duracell. I mean, a battery is a a piece of uh, pottery, and you would put a rod in it, and you would put like a citric juice in it or something, like an acid, and it would create a current. Well, what would they need a battery for? It would clean gold. You could electrically clean jewelry with it. And you're thinking, how in the world did these people figure this out? How in the world did they know to do that? I think all of these finds that they are finding all over the place, I think it all came from Solomon. These people, it says all the earth, they came from nations all over and they took wisdom that they obtained from Solomon and they carried it way back to their own country and they implemented what they heard. And then thousands of years later, we dig it up. We wonder how they did it. Well, 1 Kings 10 is how they did it because the Lord told Solomon about it people came to listen. He says, yeah, take this and go use it. Have fun. And they went and they used it. (laughs) We're digging it up, wondering how they came up with it. Friends, God put that information, that wisdom, that knowledge into Solomon. And we have a lot of what we have today from it. I mean, some of the technology that he even had, he taught about all kinds of things. So that's where all this came from. So the next time you turn on discovery, scientists dug up this incredible thing. Oh, we wonder how they did it. They probably heard it from Solomon. Okay. Just remember that. 1 Kings 10 and 26. And Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen, whom he stationed in the chariot cities and with the king at Jerusalem. The king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones, and he made cedar trees as abundant as the sycamores, which are in the lowland. Also, Solomon had horses imported from where? Where does it say? I know y'all been struggling to hear me all this time up until now. Well, what's really wrong with it? Where did he get them from? Solomon had horses imported from Egypt. Hang with me. Egypt and Kiveh. The king's merchants brought them in Kiveh at the current price. Now a chariot that was imported from, from where again? This is twice now from Egypt. Cost 600 shekels of silver and a horse 150, and thus through their agents, they exported exported them to all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Syria. Now, I know you're struggling with me up to this point, and this is where I really get to nail it down a little better, okay? Then you'll go, oh, okay, now I got you. I already showed you the law from Deuteronomy 17, where the king was not supposed to accumulate gold and wise for himself. But now we're going to back up one verse we did see. I think I did read you verse 16. It said, he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to what? To multiply horses. For the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again. Don't ever go back there for anything. Oh, but we, get, we, we need horses though. He says, I don't want you going back that way. Is it'll corrupt you. It'll cause you to turn away. So God didn't want Israel doing business with He didn't want Israel doing business with Egypt because of four hundred years of oppression that Egypt had put them through. Plus the temptation to worship Egypt's false gods. If you go back in there, they're gonna snag you. Oh, but it's good business. You're not to go back there. Don't trade with them. Don't go back again. He knew, the Lord God knew, if they did, if the king of Israel allowed personal business or or national business with, with that country, their former oppressor, then his walk would become corrupted. He would turn from the God of Israel and the people would go with him. Are you all with me? 
I want to make sure you're tracking. So let's see what's beyond the pages for us today. First off, we saw that the ships that Solomon had sent out to the rest of the world, they carried news with it about the king of Israel far and wide. And that stirred the curiosity of the queen of Sheba because she really liked what she heard. She wanted this. And so it drove her to want to come closer to this king so that she could experience the king for herself. That's the name of my message today is experience the king. She wanted to experience the king for herself. She wanted to see if he truly was as magnificent of a king as she'd always heard about. So friends, you and I are supposed to have our own outreach. I'm doing, we're doing together Set for Life Radio. It's getting it out there. We do mission work. One of your missionaries is sitting right here. We had Theo Jedlica here the other Sunday in El Salvador. We're, we're doing what we can. We're supposed to use what we have outreach to get the good news of the King, Jesus Christ, out to as many people as we can to stir their curiosity because many of them are going to want to hear more. They're going to want to find out, is this king as great as you've been telling me? And it will drive them to want to come closer to experience the king, to experience Jesus for themselves, to see if he truly is as magnificent as they heard. Mark 16, 15, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That means outreach. We saw outreach today in King Hiram's ships, the ships that Solomon was contracting out and using. And gospel means good news. And once the queen experienced the king for herself, she discovered his great wealth, his great wisdom, and the power of his majesty then this king fully convinced her that he was someone worth investing everything she had into him. You saw what she gave him. Nothing had ever been given like that before. And so Christians, we are supposed to be actively involved in outreach. Well, Ray, I can't do a radio show. That's okay. You stand in line next to people at the grocery store, strike up a conversation your co-workers, whoever. That is your outreach. We're supposed to be involved in outreach, taking out news of the king so that others will become curious enough to want to experience the king for themselves. And once they discover how great Jesus' wealth is, how great Jesus' wisdom is, and how great the power of his majesty is, this will convince them that King Jesus is someone who is worth investing everything they have into him. You see this? The gospel in 1 Kings, the Old Testament. Imagine that. (laughs) Invest everything into him. Psalm 37, 5 says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and guess what? He shall bring it to pass. Friends, you got to consider, again, that the queen of Sheba was an unbeliever. She lived in a pagan area where they did not believe in this God of Israel. She declared it when she recognized this God of Israel of yours. He's it. She recognized that. She saw how rich he was. She knew that he was worth investing everything into him because a relationship with this king would not disappoint because it would return back more than what she put into it. She put everything in it, but she says, this king I know is capable of doing back better than what I put in. 
Do you see the trade agreement here? Friends, I want you to make a trade agreement with King Jesus today, and I want you to put everything you've got into him. Amen? So, King Jesus wants you to come to him so that you can experience him for yourself. I can tell you all day till I'm blue in the face of how great Jesus is. I can tell you my testimony, how messed up I was. Not just Solomon, me too. I disobeyed. I broke a lot of violations, okay? But the Lord gave back more to me than what I gave him. And he gave me so much wealth. And I'm not just talking financial. He gave me so much blessing that I'm putting back into the kingdom. And if I could just get you to experience him for yourself, you will find out he is so much better than anything you ever heard. I can't put it in words how great he is. He's, the, he's greater than anything you've ever been told. And once you understand the greatness of his wisdom, his power, and his majesty, his love, then you'll realize that investing everything, your entire life into him, you will not be disappointed Because Jesus is capable of blessing back to you more than you can ever put into it. Romans 10, 11, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. It means he will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all, what's the next two words? Is rich. (laughs) This king is rich. He is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord has a good chance of being saved. Will probably be saved. 95% chance of being saved. It says, shall be saved. You will. That That is a guaranteed promise of God. God is so rich. He can't possibly come up short back to you if you will invest your whole life to him. That's good news for an unbeliever. But for those of us who already believe, this is our part now, (laughs) those of us that do believe, understand that we must actually obey God's commands or else we cancel our outreach of taking the news to others. If you're not obeying the Lord God, your outreach is zilched out. We have to do what God says. The problem with many people today is that they are taking everything that the Lord has has given them and they're spending it on themselves. That's the problem. Problem is a lot of people, they take what the Lord gave them and they're spending it on themselves. I want you to remember those golden shields. They were made for showing off. They were pretty useless for battle. You couldn't pick them up. They couldn't take a strike. They'd break or bend. They were for parades. Friends, don't parade yourself around and show off with the things that God has given you that you're going to put into your figurative house of the forest of Lebanon, that you're, not going, to, you're going to run to it first and not trust the Lord when the time comes. When the, when the battle shows up, the reason you have anything at all, your house, your pocketbook, your bank account, your body, everything, the reason you have anything all, at all is because it is God's intention that you use it to invest it into his kingdom. And you use it to outreach somehow. Thank you, Lord God, for my car. I will use it for outreach so I can go. So I can go out and do these things. So I can get around and what that I have my voice, that I could speak it out to people. You have what you have to use for outreach to draw people to Jesus. If you use God's blessing to parade yourself around like a gold shield, 
to parade yourself around, then when spiritual warfare comes, the real heavy stuff, you'll quickly find out that a golden shield parade won't protect you at all because you misappropriated what God had given you to serve a different purpose. That shield was supposed to be used for something else. They did not trust God later, what Isaiah said. They, they ran to that shield and it didn't help them. They ran to that armory, it didn't help them. Friends, are you using what God gave you properly for what God told you to do with it? Solomon was in violation of the law because he accumulated things for himself. He accumulated kingdom things for his own self. Don't do the same with what God gives you. So also, once you repent and turn from your old life of sin, don't even think about going back. Remember why the Lord did not want Israel to do business with Egypt, because they were their former oppressor. Friends, once you experience the King, King Jesus, then you should never, ever want to do business with your old oppression of sin ever again. Stay away from it. Oh yeah, but horses. Oh yeah, but I need to go back into sin because I need to make a little money. Oh yeah, but I, and we always come up with justifications, don't we? But Ray, here's the reason why, and we justify it to people why it's okay to do business with our old oppressor. God says, don't go back. When you go back and do business with your old oppressor, you're showing God, God, I don't trust you. I trust my old life to do better. Invest in Jesus. He's so worth it. Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things shall be added to you. What do you need all this other stuff? Yes, you do. I know you got to have it. I know you need it. I know it's a need, but don't do business with your oppression. Do business with the Lord and he will give that to you. Jesus is worth investing everything, everything. Don't push in all your chips and hold one chip for that rainy day just in case God can't pull it off. Put it all in. Remember how the queen said to Solomon, she said, happy are your servants who stand continually before you. Remember, she was impressed. Even your workers like what they're doing. I want you to know there is no greater joy than to stand in continual service to King Jesus. He is the most joy. I love serving him. Some of y'all are hearing me and you know you need to live, leave your life of sin, but you're afraid to, but I enjoy it. You can't possibly enjoy that more than Jesus, what he has to give. John 12, 26 says, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am there, my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him, my father, will honor. The king honored the queen of Sheba back for her investment. He honored her huge. He honored her greatly. It was more than she put in. Can you imagine what honor from father God is like? how big this must be. It's eternal. You can't even fathom what it's like. And so friends, I'm trying to encourage you to leave your old oppressor, your old life of sin, repent and turn around and get right with Jesus and invest everything into him and watch what he does. Servants of Jesus love him. We're actually glad to work for him. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. 
Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen of Calvary Chapel Pearland. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set.